concerns are everywhere about this coronavirus. And we ask ourselves a lot of questions. What do we do? What do we do about this situation? How do we react to this situation? I've heard some people believe it all. I've heard other people say, ah, this is just an overreaction. It's overblown. Who can we really trust in this situation? That's what it boils down to, church. Who can we really trust? You know, the experts do their very best to give us up-to-the-minute information about this coronavirus. They do their very best to give us guidelines to follow. And church, we need to heed their warnings. God has given them wisdom. We're praying for them. We need to listen to what they tell us. But the reality is much of what's going on right now just isn't all that knowable. We're in uncharted territory. The experts do their best, but they don't know everything. They're human. So who do we, as God's people, place our trust in? How about putting our trust in the only one who has promised that he'll never leave us? The only one who's promised he'll never turn his back on us. You know, as individuals, we, we were never designed to be all alone. We all need someone to stand with us, especially in very difficult times. We all need someone to be there with us, to support us, to motivate us, and to help us in this life. We all have the need for companionship, and we're recognizing this now more than we probably ever have. We all have the need for community. We all have the need to know that we're not facing difficult situations all alone. God wants to be involved in our lives. He desires to stand with us no matter the situation. And he wants us to let him take the lead. Are you willing to let him lead you? Are you willing to trust him by obeying one of the deepest needs mankind has is the need to have a companion, the need to be loved, the need to have someone stand with us. But you know, mankind alone can never give us the satisfaction that we need. We're limited, and we're seeing that today more than ever. Although we have good intentions, no human being is all-knowing. No human being is all-powerful or perfect, and we've definitely learned no human being is all-present. We'll always have disappointments with people, even though we don't mean to. Our God is able to meet every need that we have. He promises that he's going to stand with you in every circumstance. And so as we talk about this morning, the God who stays, our first point lesson is the point that our God is everywhere. And for those of you just joining us, this is really difficult to preach sitting down. Never done this before, so if my hands go crazy, just bear with me, and this is something we can all laugh about later. <laughs> but the first point for this morning's sermon is, He's everywhere. God is everywhere. Psalm 139, 7 through 12, if you have your Bibles at home, I encourage you to turn there with us. Psalm 139, and I'll be reading verses 7 through 12. You know, many of us, including me, have relied on our iPads or phones for our Bibles. 
the reality is it's kind of ironic because if you're watching the sermon on your, your smartphone or, or iPad, it's hard to flip over to Scripture. So we have to get our books out. So turn to Psalm 139, 7 through 12. The psalmist here writes very comforting words to us. I'm sure if they're comforting words to us right now, especially. He writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even in the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Some people are asking, where is God right now? God is everywhere, church. Wherever we are, whatever our situation, whether we're rejoicing in his presence, he's there. Whether we're at home, he's there. If we are in the hospital, he's there. Whether the sun is shining, he's there. Even when it is raining, like it does almost every day in West Virginia, even in the rainy days, God is there. God never changes. Changes are everywhere. God says, I don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never takes his eyes off of us. The government says, change your way of life for a while. And we need to. And we know why. Things at your job might be changing. They're changing at my job right now. God says, never turns his back on us. He constantly cares for us. You know why? Because he's the God who stays. He says, I'll never leave you. And Jesus promises us, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. God is everywhere. He fills space and time. And so this morning, we're going to focus on the song by Matthew West called The God Who Stays. We're going to be referencing some lyrics. I'm not going to sing it to you, so relax. You don't have to leave the live stream now. The link was posted to our Facebook page yesterday, and I'll post it again when we post the sermon after life. But the chorus of this song says, You're the God who stays. You're the God who stays. You're the one who runs in my direction when the whole world walks away. You're the God who stands with wide open arms Tell me nothing I have ever done can separate my heart from the God who stays. He is the God who stays. Now, when God promises that he's going to be with us, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems. It doesn't mean that troubles are going to be absent. But it does mean that through those troubles, he provides us strength. He provides us provides us direction in the most difficult circumstances. We see him in scripture time and time again doing that for his people, and God doesn't change. He's still doing it today. Are you afraid 
right now. It's easy for us to say, no, I trust God, I'm not afraid. And that's great. But really ask yourself, am I fearful? Am I concerned? Most of us have dealt with some fear these past couple of years. Most of us have dealt with some anxiety these past couple of weeks. And that's okay. But I want us to listen to what God says to us through his prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. I'll give you guys some time to turn there at home. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 2. Isaiah, as he's inspired by God, writes the following. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you. Last Sunday morning, when it was clear that we weren't going to be able to meet in church, our family had a devotion, and we read this very scripture, because I wanted to remind my girls and Lindy and Austin that although things are, and myself as well, that although things for a while are going to be different, we don't have to be fearful. Even though we don't have to be fearful doesn't mean we won't still experience some fear. But it's what we do with the fear that matters. Will we allow the fear to paralyze us? Or will we take our fears to God and trust Him? God will make us stronger through this church. But we got to go to Him. we got to trust Him. And why can we go to Him? Because He's the God who stands. That will never change. Never leave us. He's always so how do we involve him in our lives, especially during difficult times like these? Well, first of all, we have to seek the Lord for who he is. Let knowing God be your priority instead of just seeking him to save you. we got to seek God to save him, and, there, and salvation is nothing more important than that. But we'll have more peace in our lives, and we'll be less fearful if our priority is to get to know God for who he is, and walk with him here. And when we do that, he gives us a pretty bold promise. Matthew 6, 33, he tells us, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We have to seek the Lord for who he is. Secondly, we have to let God work in our lives by allowing him to change us. The price of letting God lead us is to allow Him to deal with the situation that's upon us and stay away from the things that displease Him. And we've got to let Him take the lead. Who is leading us right now? Am I relying on myself? Am I relying on people that I trust? Am I relying on the government or health and safety experts? We need to listen to their advice. I want to be crystal clear about that got to listen to the advice of the experts. We've got to do the things they request that we do. That's our best chance at getting through this as quickly as possible. But we have to let our lives be 
Psalm 23.3 tells us, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Let me ask you this this morning. As we go through this pandemic, are you praying for God to lead you along the right paths? Are you praying for God to lead you as you make decisions about your family? As you make decisions about how you should react? As you make decisions about what's safe and what isn't? Are you praying for God to lead you along the right paths? Are you praying for God to lead our leaders along the right paths? This is not a time for politics, although I fall into that trap a lot. This is the time to pray for unity. It's the time to pray for wisdom. It's the time to pray for God to lead us, our leaders, our health and safety, our health workers, our police, firemen, our first responders, it's a time to pray for God to lead us all along the right paths. He guides us along the right paths, but church, we've got to let him take the lead. And third, we have to trust God that he's with us. Even when the coronavirus keeps us in our homes, we've got to trust that God is there. When your business closes and you're not sure where things are going to go. You've got to trust that God is right there. When you're not sure where your next paycheck is coming from, we've got to trust that God is right there. When we experience sickness in our own lives or sickness in the lives of others, and we're going to see a lot more of that this week probably than we did last week, God is still there. He promises us that. He's the God who stays. How do we know this? God promised us. Hebrews 6.18 reminds us it is impossible for God to lie. What does that mean? It means that when God promises something it will happen. Moses was the leader of the Israelites and we know that he was forbidden by God to cross the Jordan and the people had grown to know Moses and his leadership. They had depended on him. He was their leader got them through some very difficult times. But now it was time for a changing of the guard. Do you think this bothered the people? Do you think this worried them? Do you think maybe there was some anxiety that came along with this? I'm sure there was. I'm sure most of them probably weren't very happy about this. But through Moses, God sent comforts, sent, sent words of comfort says, Israelites, even though things are changing, I'm not. He says in Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Even though times are changing, God says, I'm not. Church family, Facebook friends, even though our society and our country changing temporarily. God is not. He's the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. That's where we have to put our trust. When Joshua was installed as the leader following the death of Moses, God told him in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you shared this with my church family before. 
And as a child, my mom would always provide me with devotions. She'd leave me notes in various parts of the house or on my bathroom mirror with some scripture and just a daily devotion. She'd send me it was important to both my parents that I kept my focus on God. And today, as a parent myself, I understand that a lot more than I ever have. And I'm thankful for godly parents. Be thankful for your godly parents. When I was worried about something, I would always find Joshua 1.9 written in my school folder or in my backpack. Or if I was traveling, I would find it in my suitcase. And it was my mom's way of making sure that even if I felt all alone, God was always with me. God tells us he will be with us wherever we go. Right now, we're not going much of any place. But even at home, in isolation, God is there. And because of that, he tells us we don't have to be afraid. In fact, he doesn't just say refrain from being afraid, but you can even be courageous and strong because you have me your lives. These are some temporary changes we're experiencing. How long will they last? I don't know. How does this all end? I don't know. How long before we start to see changes in what we're permitted to do? I'm not sure. I'm not sure anyone is. But you know what I do know? I know that in the midst of all this uncertainty, God tells his people, be strong and courageous. Not because everything in your life is going well, because it isn't. Not because there are no problems, because there are. He says, be strong and courageous, because despite all that, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. We don't have to be afraid and terrified, because God is with us. Are you talking to him right now? Are you praying? promises that even through big changes, whether it's a changing of the guard for the Israelites or home isolation for Americans in 2020, he promises he will be with you. We also know he is the God who runs in our direction. Matthew West isn't the first to coin that phrase. We find that in third point for this morning. He's the God who runs in my direction. Do you ever feel like people run away from you? Maybe you've been there. Have you ever felt like you're a lost cause? Maybe, like the song says, you're beyond repair. We talked here in Hurricane a few weeks ago about the prodigal son. And in the story of the prodigal son, the youngest son approaches his dad. It's really hard for me to preach sitting down. I'm sorry. i got to move around here a little bit. But in the story of the prodigal son, the son goes to his dad and he asks for his inheritance. Most of us are familiar with that. And he's basically saying, instead of saying, Dad, I'm still glad you're here with us, he's really telling his dad, Dad, I wish you were already dead so that I could have what's mine. So why don't you go ahead and just divvy it up. Give me what is due to me. And this had to be painful as a father for his son to father obliged. He gave his son what he wanted. And scripture tells us that he squandered his wealth on all kinds of frivolous living. 
eventually the money was gone. And that's what happens to money, right? Whether you have a lot of it or not very much, it's eventually going to be gone. And if it's not gone during your lifetime, then the people you pass it on to, they're going to follow suit. Money eventually disappears. And it's no different in this world. He got his money. He blew it. It's gone. So he finds himself eating with a pig brain. And he gets to a point in his life where he longed to be a slave of his father's. He never believed he could go back and be a son. But he gets to a point where he believes maybe he's better off if he goes home and he says, Dad, I'm going to be your slave. So finally, when he has no other options left, he goes home. He figures that being a slave to his father is best because, after all, his father's slaves had food and shelter. So I'm going to start with Luke chapter 15, verses 17 through 22. When, it came, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food and shelter? starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they became the son of mine. Now, of course, we know the father in this story represents God. And we see his reaction when his son starts coming home. His father runs to him. He's filled with compassion for him. He throws his arms around him. He kisses him. He gives him his absolute best, and they have a party. Here's the point. Everyone else ran away. run away from it. You know, I'm sure folks were glad to be around the prodigal son when the money was there. We're told that he lived it up. He didn't do that alone. People ran to him when he had money. When he was broke, he found himself all alone. When he ate from the pig's trough, I'm sure he didn't smell so good, so people would avoid him just because of that. His own brother didn't want him back. His own brother wanted to run away from him. But what about the father? His father ran to him when the whole world ran away. Because he's the God who saves. In our isolation, maybe we feel like we're all alone. The world has deserted us. A lot of things creep into your mind when you're alone. God runs to decided to come home. That's the reaction of the father. We learn from our father that no matter what you've done, when you decide to come home to God, he will run 
you make the decision to come to God, He rocks to you. As the song says, my shame can't separate. My guilt can't separate. My past can't separate. I'm yours forever. My scars can't separate. My failures can't separate. I'm yours forever. No enemy can separate. No power of hell can take away. Your love for me will never change. I'm yours forever. Amen. Are you God's forever? Do you belong to him? Have you accepted his son through whom the hope of eternal life is found? You know, it all starts with putting Jesus Christ on in baptism. To repent and have your sins washed away. When you do that, your sins are washed away. You receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit that's with you, that guides you, that leads you, that comforts you. And when you come up out of that water, you're washed, and that blood of Christ continually covers you and cleanses you. doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. We mess up a lot. But it does mean just get here. We didn't just come here to get all dressed up and go have a nice fun time. We came here to encourage each other. We came here to help each other. We came here to pray for each other. We came here to be God's church, to be a light in this town and in this world. When you come to God, your life will never be the same. Why would you want it to be? Don't you want to live with God, we just come before you with humble hearts this morning, Lord. We come before you in different times in this nation than we found ourselves just a couple of weeks ago. Father, we pray for your peace. We pray for your comfort. 
I pray that you would just be with each of us, direct us, help us to be good examples of what it means to trust you. Help us be good examples of what it means to be your children. And Father, help us to be meeting needs out there. Father, help us to be the church. Lord, I pray for our leaders. Give them wisdom. I pray, Father, for our health care workers and doctors. Give them strength. Build a hedge of protection around them. Lord, be with our law enforcement. Be with the essential service people, grocery store workers, gas station clerks, the people, Father, who will still be out there working. While the rest of us are told to stay home, protect them, keep them healthy. Help us all to make smart decisions and give us wisdom. I thank you so much for the privilege of belonging to your church. I thank you so much for the privilege of being in a church family. Lord, I pray for those who are suffering right now. I know I've received a lot of texts this morning of people who need prayer. Lord, you know each and every concern. You know each and every concern of every person out there in this room. Appreciate everything.